One of crypto's great promises is super fast payments with super low transaction fees. And one of the most prolific cryptos that have lived up to these promises is Dash. Ryan Taylor is the CEO of Dash Core Group, and he joins us today to discuss this coin that's been around for many years now. We're in Miami for Miami Blockchain Week and spending most of our time, well, inside, which I guess that means we're not going to get much of a tan, but we're happy to be here and we're happy that you're joining us for this episode number 357 of the Bad Crypto Podcast. And welcome to the Bad Crypto Podcast, the show for the crypto serious, the crypto curious, and the crypto Miamiist, where we are right now, Mr. Travis Wright. You're such a Miamiist. I am. I'm while well, I'm here. I'm True. I am an ist wherever I amist. <laughs> I am an amist. Very so nice. and where we are right now is we're sitting in Pitbull's restaurant that's on Ocean Boulevard or Drive, Please whatever it's, it's South Beach. Mm-hmm. Right the beach is right out El there. Eldorado three oh five. The ocean is right out there. I still haven't seen it. I want to see it. I yeah. want to get some tacos and I want to see it. And get some sand in your toes and your, I'd like to do that. that do you want to get nice. a sand taco? I do not want to say that does not sound delicious. It does not sound nutritious. But we're so we've been doing interviews here, uh, and you're going to hear some of the interviews in episode number 358. But we're actually in Pitbull's private room in his uh, his restaurant here. The doors close, and there's all these luxurious sofas, and there's. I don't know if you call it luxurious, my man. Well, it's more luxurious than anywhere else in the okay, restaurant. Okay, okay, I mean, it's right. padded. It's Naugahyde or something. <laughs> <I don't... laughs> luxurious. So luxurious. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I just don't even really want to touch it, to be quite frank. We got a great show with Ryan Taylor from Dash. We've been meaning to speak with somebody connected to Dash for some time. And um, you're going to really enjoy this interview today. First, I want to give a shout out to our show sponsors, eToro course by now if you haven't downloaded the eToro app one of two things you've been living in a cave or you just haven't had the proper motivation look over 12 million other users around the world use eToro to trade some of the most popular cryptos and to use the copy portfolio functionality you can follow other traders that are showing you what their trades are and whether they're winning or losing. And if you see somebody that you really like their style and how they're winning, you just say, hey, I'll do what they're doing. And whatever money you want to put into it, we'll just copy as a percentage of uh, what you put in what they own. And you'll do, they'll do the trading for you. It's really cool. If you haven't gotten your $25 in free Bitcoin yet, go to badco.in forward slash eToro. Travis and I want to throw $25 in free Bitcoin into your wallet. But you got to help us to help you follow the instructions there. Get it done today. Badco.in forward slash eToro. Mr. Joe Kahn, this is uh, we got a great interview coming up here with with Ryan here of Dash. I think we should just jump right on into that. Let's get Dashy with it. You know, Mr. Travis Wright, one of the cryptocurrencies that has been on my radar since I got into the crypto space and went down the crypto hole is Dash. Because Dash seemed to be one of the most user-friendly cryptos that were out there. Mm-hmm. It's got it's got an interesting history to it as well. So it used to Dash isn't the only name. It's had a couple of rebrands over time, and they're doing some really interesting stuff when it comes to you know privacy and digital cash, which the name is obviously a portmanteau of digital cash. It's Dash. Mm-hmm. 
We have with us the CEO of the Dash Core Group, Hello. Ryan Taylor. Welcome to Bad Crypto, good sir. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. Yeah, weren't you guys one of the earliest ones to make masternodes available as well? We were the first. Uh, we so, so that would be one concept. of the earliest ones. I, I yeah. got that. I wasn't wrong. It's true, right? <laughs> the correct answer was yes. Yes, is is absolutely true. Well, you've been with Dash. You've been in the payments industry for quite a long time, financial services for what, over 15 years and uh, financial service technology and strategy is your jam. How long have you been with the Dash Core Group? I joined the team back in 2016 before there was a Dash Core Group. It's one of the things that uh, that we, we did was formalize the volunteers that were working on the project um, into a legal entity. And so I was with the team starting in 2016 and I became CEO of the team uh, starting in early 2017. It's, it's, a, it's a pretty fascinating thing because so the business is sort of handled through decentralized autonomous, a decentralized autonomous organization via masternodes, but now it's become a legal entity, right? Now it's, it's, a, it's a company too now. It, it's, it sounds interesting how, how it's evolved over time. Well, so the Dash DAO uh, operates at the network level. And the Dash DAO doesn't have a CEO. It is operated by the network. And what the DAO does is it allocates its resources out to various companies and individuals that contract to do work for the network. And uh, Dash Core Group is one of those entities. We consist a lot of, of a lot of the early volunteers on the project, and, and we're certainly the largest team. We're responsible for the protocol. So we're a very uh, important team to the network. But there are dozens of other teams that are funded by the network. And to be clear, Dash Core Group has a CEO. We have around 40 employees and contractors, but the network itself does not have a CEO and it doesn't have an associated legal entity. All of that takes place through through the protocol itself. So let's set the groundwork here for those that aren't familiar with Dash. Dash is digital cash. The website is dash.org. Time stamping this interview because this will air at a later date. It is December 13th. And as of right now, Dash has a circulating supply of 9.2 million coins, a max supply of 19 million coins. And uh, the price as of this date and time is $50.37. So, Ryan, why don't you go ahead and tell us what exactly is Dash and what differentiates it from the other large cryptos that are out there? So uh, Dash is a digital currency. It's you know meant to be used as money. So in that regard, it's similar to Bitcoin, Litecoin, Bitcoin Cash, etc. But it's been optimized for payments use cases. And what that means is that that we've got a few features that are uh, optimized for payments, the most prominent of which is our instant send feature. That basically allows a transaction to finalize within about 1.8 seconds. So it's as quick as a credit card authorization. It allows cryptocurrency to be used at the point of sale and for time-sensitive transactions that other cryptocurrencies just can't address. Those are double spend proof uh, transactions. Not only do they lock in but they are instantly respendable by the recipient. And so it really is state-of-the-art in terms of the ability to settle transactions quickly, just like cash. And that's where our name comes from, digital cash. And it is quick. 
It is. A, it, it, that's what I like too about the name. But the name is Dash, and wow, like you said, a couple seconds, you're gonna get the, you're gonna get that, uh, that cash in your wallet. Well, you're gonna be ready be, to go, right? I mean, could you imagine it's Dash, and you're like, do 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 do, waiting, waiting. This isn't very dashy. Oh, come on. I need yeah. a quicker. I need a quicker dash. No, so it's good. So it's, I, I find that it, that it works pretty well. What is the technology that that you built on? Because I know that in the past, you know, if you look at the history of Dash, it started out as what Xcoin in January of 2014. That was a fork off of Bitcoin, and then it was rebranded as Darkcoin, and it was used in some of the dark markets and stuff like that. Now it's been totally rebranded. There's nothing really going on in the dark markets. No payments. This is. Full on, you guys have had quite an evolution uh, in in the history of Dash. I mean, it's it's prolific. Yeah, we we really started out with um, privacy as the primary focus, and in order to provide privacy, we invented a uh, mechanism called masternodes, and masternodes essentially conduct coin join on our network for the users, and so that was the very first use case, and because of that. The people leading the project at the time made the decision to rebrand to Darkcoin. I would say that that has proven to be a, uh, it, it took a long time for us to get past that branding because Dash is really for everyone. And a lot of other coins have integrated CoinJoin into their wallets. Uh, Bitcoin has, Bitcoin Cash has. Privacy is a feature that all cryptocurrencies share. It's just a question of, to what extent and what technologies are used. Dash is a fully transparent blockchain, just like Bitcoin, but it leverages CoinJoin in order to increase the level of privacy for users optionally. And we quickly discovered that masternodes are good for a lot of things. You can develop all kinds of added layers of security. You can add uh, features like Instant Send, where... um, in a decentralized way, the network can very quickly reach consensus on an individual transaction level. We invented chain locks that prevent 51% attacks. We're the only major 51% attack-proof network. And the cost of attacking the network exceeds that of even Bitcoin, a coin many, many times our market cap. Mm. And so uh, we've We've really discovered that there's a lot that you can do with these masternodes. The other thing that we invented was the first DAO. Dash has a functioning proposal system where anyone can come to the network with a proposal. The masternode operators vote on that. And depending on the level of support, the highest ranking proposals pay out as part of a monthly cycle. Mm. And so we have a functioning governance system overseeing it. We have a treasury system that allows for more than just mining to get rewarded, but other activities that benefit the network too. So if we need legal work or developers or marketing or anything else that helps the network to grow and succeed, those things are are incentivized as well. And so there, there are many, many things that we discovered that we could do with this masternode system. And a lot of those use cases are even more powerful than than uh, privacy ever was, and 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 so a rebranding was inevitable by early 2015. So we've been known as as Dash since uh, about four and a half five years. 
Yeah, yeah, and, and sure. I, I I think it's a really smart idea to sort of rebrand that. What is CoinJoin? Because I'm not sure that maybe some of our people in our audience have not heard of that. I know I don't have not heard of that a lot. Maybe describe what CoinJoin is. It's a privacy enhancing technique that can be applied to any transparent blockchain. And it's basically applied at the wallet level. For Dash, it's our desktop wallets that have this feature. And in other networks, there are solutions for mobile wallets as well. And the way that it works is that multiple uh, participants combine their coins into a common transaction. Um, my input like coin pooling. Yeah, it, it's pooling together multiple participants into a single transaction. And by doing that, there's an added level of privacy because there's uncertainty over which outputs belong to which or, or were uh, the intended uh, destination for for each of those participants. And so it, it just adds a certain level of privacy that otherwise isn't available when you're transacting on your own. The transaction itself remains fully transparent and auditable. Uh, any third party can observe it on the network, but it does introduce a little bit of uncertainty over the source and destination of funds uh, for the individual participants. And so you can see that that uh, certain addresses were paid, the amounts, you can see all of that information, but uh, it, it becomes a little more uncertain. And so it's it's a simple technique of applying some privacy features to a transparent blockchain. Well, you guys have certainly done a good job as far as getting support out there. I mean, I'm looking at your downloads page, all the wallets that there are for Windows, Mac, Linux, lots of desktop wallets, lots of mobile wallets. In fact, I just downloaded while we've been talking the Dash um, OIOS wallet because I want to see how that works and see if I can really you know send a Dash like at the speed of uh, 1.8 seconds, as you say. Then there's hardware wallets. You've got keep key integration. And there's ATMs that Dash is available at uh, all around the world. It looks like there's hundreds of them already. Is that accurate? Yeah. Uh, I think we're probably well over a 1,000 by now um, if they're not all in there. But uh, yeah, Dash is, is one of the most widely integrated cryptocurrencies out there. Um, we're in a lot of the wallets, uh, almost all of the major exchanges. We're in uh, a lot of the services that like brokerage services like Coinbase and Uphold. We're accepted in a lot of different uh, payment type uh, websites. And interestingly, Dash is often the first or second most used when it comes to a lot of these services, you know, the, the reason for that is the great user experience, particularly at the point of sale. Uh, if you did but download the wallet. Question. This is an adoption question, right? This is yeah. because having all these cool cryptos and utilities and wallets and exchanges and ATMs, it doesn't matter a lick if we don't start using it. That's right. My hypothesis is that in the long run, you have to gain adoption. You have to be a uh an asset that people use as part of their daily lives if you're going to be relevant so we focus on adding to the usefulness of our network that means adding new fiat pairs in new countries where people can leverage dash for remittances you know between various countries it means atm integrations it means merchant and point of sale system integrations so that it's easy for merchants to accept dash and we are accepted at thousands of merchants, uh, you know, in the physical world. There's a, a great deal of adoption in Venezuela. 
um, where we have multiple teams working towards uh, you know adoption. Yeah, I wanted to ask about that. It seems like I read that Dash is the number one used crypto in Venezuela now. It certainly is used a lot. And when you look at some of the stored level data that we collect, Dash is neck and neck with Bitcoin um, in terms of usage. Uh, some months were higher, some months Bitcoin is a little higher. But in terms of people actually using it to pay for goods and services and, and transact with one another, collect remittances from overseas, um, Dash is very widely used. Uh, this this is something I haven't seen, though. As I scroll down the page of downloads and wallets, there is Dash Text, which is really big in Venezuela and Colombia. So what? You just, with your, fo your phone number is the wallet and you just send crypto to the phone number? Yeah, so it's a hosted wallet that leverages your phone number. And, and what that allows is for, I mean, us in the West, we're spoiled with our, our smartphones. But in developing nations, and particularly countries like Venezuela, where people are struggling with the um, downturn in the economy, not everybody has access to a smartphone. So you need other solutions. There's a great team uh, out of Venezuela that developed the Dash Tech solution. And uh, you can actually walk up to a merchant, they give you a code, you text it to the number, and, and it will uh, forward the transaction on your behalf to the merchant. And so it allows people with, uh, you know, feature phones to be able to transact with cryptocurrency. So I'm going to do some math here, because this is interesting. I saw earlier today, I was looking at my translation app of, of different currencies. It's a currency trader. And I saw that one U.S. dollar is worth 1,674,000 uh, bolivars in Venezuela, right? Now, <laughs> knowing the Dash is worth $50.41, so basically one Dash is worth 84 million bolivar to them. <laughs> that, to me, is unbelievable because inflation took place there. Socialism is going on there, you know. What's the state? Have you, have you? I mean, you said you got boots on the ground in Venezuela. What's some of the reports? What, is, what are you hearing about what's going on in Venezuela? Well, you know, a, a lot of people into cryptocurrency believe that um, inflation is the reason why cryptocurrency will get adopted in uh, uh, countries with high inflation. And uh, what we found is that it's far more complicated than that, especially in Venezuela. Consider the following. They have power outages. Mm -hmm. They have restrictions from their bank in terms of how much they can transact on their debit card in a given day. They have limitations in the number of zeros that they can enter into equipment that they bought mm -hmm. long before the inflation started. Uh, they have infrastructure issues with the payment networks going down, even when the power is up or being unreliable. And so th they face all kinds of payment issues. It's not just the inflation of the currency, although the currency being broken makes virtually all other payment methods broken. And so what we learned is that uh, taking a tact of solving real problems for them is the way to adoption. And it really takes local knowledge to realize what those pain points are. One of the big ones is parking. People uh, can't pay with cash. It's, you know, you can't carry around that much cash, 84 million boulevard or whatever. Um, and so, uh, you know, we, we had to 
a test in a mall to see if people would be willing to switch. And the way that it worked before was people would wait in these long lines to run their credit card transaction through uh, to pay for a dollar worth of parking. And they'd be waiting for a half hour or an hour through this line while everyone tried their cards and they failed. And we came up with a solution where you buy some dash and then you can get out of the mall parking lot for the next 10 times, no problem, because the transactions work over the mobile networks and they're instant. And so people were able to start getting out of the parking lot about an hour quicker. That's valuable to people. They, they took the time to learn what cryptocurrency is, what Dash is, how it works. And before you know it, Dash is accepted throughout the mall. And the mall is paying for these people to be there and educate people because they're making it less painful to go to the mall in the first place. Mm-hmm. And so uh, you find solutions like this. We've onboarded thousands of people through that process. True. You know, you, you're not going to get that. You're not going to get that sitting in a desk in right. New York or San Francisco. Such and a proving ground, what, which is so great. You know, Venezuelan should Wow, do. look at, look at the crazy that's going on here in the economy. Wow, look at the problems. Boom. And now Dash going in and solving real world problems in real time. That is amazing. So I like I say, I downloaded and installed the Dash wallet, not a wallet that holds Dash, but just this is your official Dash wallet, I think. And it is official wallet, right? Yeah. The Dash wallet. Okay. And I, and I sent Dash from Exodus to this wallet and boom, you got Dash. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was super fast. Now I'm looking at the wallet here. I see NFCs also. So yep. what's uh like what would I use an NFC for to do dash? Yeah, uh the NFC function it, it can interface with a point of sale system so you can build okay. uh solutions that leverage the NFC. Uh I believe it works phone to phone as well as long as the phones uh enable the NFC function uh to be accessible uh from other apps. And what's great is it's respendable. It's not like you have to wait for six confirmations or something. You can spend that right away, which means you could go acquire Dash at an ATM and walk over to a counter and spend it. We're enabling use cases that other cryptocurrencies can't. And the great part was that was a 50th of a penny to send. A 50th of a penny. That's so yeah. negligible. Yep. Now, I mean, how, how does that scale? Uh, before we go to the question I just asked, um, does it that transaction fee stay super low or is it going to scale with the amount sent? Uh, it scales with the number of inputs, just like like Bitcoin does. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, if you've got a messy wallet, it could add up quick to maybe a 20th of a penny. Wow. But uh, uh, it probably isn't ever an amount that you need to worry about. I mean, the, the, the network is high capacity and high speed because we pay the masternode operators. They're incentivized to run high speed, high availability connections because they're paid for that uptime. And so almost all the masternodes are hosted in a professionally hosted environment because if they go down and miss a payment, that can be worth a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, everything could be worth like a fiftieth of a penny, like maybe three, two fiftieths of a penny. Well, the the rewards the rewards for operating a masternode are currently about uh, you know seventy dollars a week, roughly, and so that can pay for some pretty nice hardware, uh, you know, 
and, and that's what makes the network so scalable. How much, how much does it cost to run a masternode? How many dash do you need to, to stash in your masternode? Uh, so uh, masternodes, were, anyone is free to download the software and run a full node, first of all, just like Bitcoin. But in order for your node to be considered a masternode on the network, you have to sign a special message um, that proves ownership over a thousand dash. And so that's not a small amount of money. And the reason for that is it prevents any one person from controlling the masternode layer of the network. So essentially right now, $50,000 to run a masternode. That's right. And so in, in order to control the masternode layer of the network, you would need to operate roughly 2,500 masternodes. And that is well outside the reach of most people. And if you were to acquire that much Dash, I hypothesize that the price would quickly run away from you. <laughs> right. So it, it really provides a great deal of protection against uh, any nefarious actors that might try to control that layer of the network. And that's what allows for all of these services, because we know that the masternode layer is diversely held. So right now, if you run a masternode every week, you're, gonna, you're getting about a, a, a Dash and a half, almost. Correct. But right now you say $70 worth of profit, but as the price of Dash goes up, and it's been over $1,000 per coin before. Mm -hmm. so, so just by having that, even though it costs 50 grand now to have that, you stash some of that Dash, and as the price cruises up, then that can be a good thing. So I, I want to ask you about this, because you have a unique model where people, like I think out of every transaction or something, some of that money, doesn't it come into like the Dash Foundation and then then people can, like if they have a marketing idea for Dash, then they got to submit a proposal and then like the network votes on it and stuff. Like what what is that all about and how does that work? So here here's how uh, the proposal system works is um, we split our block reward. Most cryptocurrency networks, uh, the protocol says no matter how high the price goes or whatever, it's all going towards purchasing more and more hash rate. And you know, to us, that feels pretty silly. That That's a bit like saying no matter uh, how much revenue Visa gets, it's all going to plow that into greater levels of security, uh, you know, including tanks outside their offices and, you know, and they're not going to pay their employees. They're not going to pay for any of the infrastructure. The merchants have to pay all that themselves. It just feels imbalanced. And so what we did is we uh, broke our our block reward up into three components. 45% currently goes to miners. 45% goes to masternode operators. And the last 10% is set aside for treasury. The way that it works is once a month, there is a super block. And the allocation of that super block that constitutes that 10%, that is uh, voted on by the masternodes. And so they evaluate the proposals Anyone is free to put, put a proposal up to the network. You guys could put one up if you wanted to. Uh, the masternodes evaluate those and they uh, vote on them. And the highest ranking proposals pay out as part of that super block. And so uh, what it allows is for the network to fund its own development and growth. It's not dependent on third-party benefactors to provide for that. And so it, it also allows the masternodes to direct where that funding goes. It stops short of micromanaging my team, as an example, um, and telling us exactly who to hire and what decisions to make and which 
features to work on and those types of things. But it, it is effective at allocating resources towards effective teams. Most excellent. Well, and you guys have a lot of news coming out, as I mentioned earlier. Maybe you uh, can hit us with a few of the high points that came from your December open house. Yeah, so we held a open house on December 7th. Uh, it is recorded, so if anybody is interested, they can uh, uh, watch that. And basically, we, we did two things. The first is we introduced the community to Dash Platform. Uh, Dash Platform is our next major release. Um, and it is uh, introducing a lot of new functionality to Dash and new functionality that other networks do not have. We are releasing that to a test net called uh, EvoNet uh, in the month of December. So by the time this airs, that will be out. Nice. Um, you can find that on your downloads page. Uh, you, dash.org forward slash downloads. Uh, well, while it's in, on testnet, it won't be available on the downloads page. That's really meant for main mm -hmm. consumer use. But, um, but we will publish the the source code, and and uh, we invite participants to testnet to test it out, uh, test help us test the features, report bugs, so that we can get those fixed and get it out on mainnet um, as quick as possible. Um, we are going to be going through multiple testing phases. We have a testing roadmap that we published at the open house as well um, that talks about which features we're testing in what order because they build on each other. But basically what Dash Platform is and the benefit that it provides, it is a uh, platform that basically allows applications to be built on top of Dash, but not like a smart contract would. It basically opens up the Dash network uh, via a decentralized API, and APIs allow developers to easily interact with the network. Um, we're releasing software development kits to make it easy to submit and retrieve certain functions. And we're introducing something called Dash Drive that allows the storage of data associated with transactions. And so what this enables is anyone to build an application that stores the data associated with that application inside of the network and can access and interact with the network through developer tools they're used to instead of having to learn. Like, like the, it's gonna, is it actually going to be on the, on the chain or is it going to be like an IPFS or because like some of that data and that, like what if they include a video? Like that could be big. Yeah. Or is there just limitations on the kind of content they can share and how long is it going to be in the network? Because it could be really huge. Lots of questions there. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's really meant for small pieces of data. And I'll give some examples of how this can be useful. There's nothing technically stopping you from storing a large file. It just wouldn't be the ideal way because it would be a very costly method. This is being stored on the entire masternode layer of the network. Uh, that's around 4,000 computers. It's being shared in a method similar to IPFS, and it's really its own separate blockchain from the main chain um, that only the masternodes would host. And so what it's really good at, though, is storing small pieces of information, say, associated with a profile or associated with an application. The first application we're rolling out is one called DashPay. And what DashPay enables you to do is create a username on the network, similar to centralized services like Venmo or something, where you can create a username, 
It's basically an account. You can log into that username from multiple devices. So you can have it on your laptop. You can have it on your mobile device. You can have it on your, your tablet. And you see the same information. I can then create a profile, my shipping address, my phone number, my email address, things I normally have to type in when I'm placing an order. And the way that it works is, is now uh, application owners can send messages through the network. They can interact with DashPay. So a merchant could have Dash on its checkout page. I hit pay with Dash. I say, hey, I, I, uh, here's my Dash username. It's Ryan. And boom, I receive a request on my wallet that says, hey, do you want to pay this and send this uh, shipping address and your phone number and your email for a receipt? And I just say yes. And along with the payment, all that information gets sent through the network. I don't have to send that Dude, separately. That's like super PayPal. That's awesome. Exactly. So we're trying, trying to take the friction out of transacting. Another application could be um, a, a uh, invoicing app. I could create an invoice. I could associate that with a PO number. I could send a payment request to you. And then you could settle that separately. And we would both have access to that record and be able so to Somebody see could create a company called Dashbooks and use your, use your protocol that you have there built in to create an info, invoicing and tracking system on top of your protocol. Yeah. And what's great is the compute takes place outside of the network. So unlike smart contracts where you have to pay gas to have your, your contract execute, these run the applications on your local device. And because of that, we're not introducing unstoppable code. I don't have to over-engineer this stuff and figure out every single possible attack vector because I can change my application later if there are vulnerabilities in it. And so with smart contracts, you have to engineer it as though you're sending something to the moon. You have to invest about 10 times as much in its development to make sure that it is uh, hacker-proof. And even them, people make mistakes. And so we don't think that's a very good model for most use cases. There's very pragmatic use cases where legacy infrastructure or legacy applications on, in the old, that live in the wor old world need to interact with the blockchain. And this is a great way to do it. And so we think this is just a lot more practical for a lot of use cases. And so you can see very quickly how this adds value. It's also way more secure. Think about this. If I try to interact with you via Bitcoin, I have to get your address from you, which is subject to man-in-the-middle attacks. So I have to verify it over the phone to make sure that your email wasn't tampered with. And I have to repeat that every single time unless you want me to reuse your addresses. That, that introduces security concerns. It introduces friction into the process. It makes it more difficult for us to transact. And... Uh, it leads to address reuse, which is not good practice. And so all of this will be coordinated in the background. If you and I are contacts and share, uh, I share my contact information with you and, and you accept it, we're now contacts within the Dash network and we can transact with each other using our usernames. We will no longer Ooh. see a cryptographic address. And, you know, nobody needs to see under the hood. No, nope, that's just more mainstream. That's mainstream adoption, simple, simple address. I mean, could you imagine if we still had to go to websites by, you know, typing 192.150.3.64, right? No, there's a DNS server mm -hmm. that masks the IPs. 
So let's go ahead and look to the future, Mr. Ryan. You know, what's uh, what's next for Dash? Where are the opportunities? What kind of, uh, what impacts do you think that, you know, stable coins like Libra might have? Prognosticate for us, good sir. Uh, well, I could go two directions with this. Uh, one for Dash and one for the market as a whole. Well, let's start by Dash and then the market as a whole. We, we're, we're multi-directional here. Yeah. <laughs> well, for, for Dash, I think 2020 is going to be a big year. We've been working on Dash Platform and Dash Pay for a really long time. And uh, we're really excited to get it out to the market. I think that it's going to dramatically improve our adoption rate because as we've introduced new features, our adoption rate has actually grown. The number of transactions on the network has been growing every single quarter over the last year by at least double digits every quarter. We've outgrown Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash, uh, Litecoin, all the major coins that are very similar to Dash. We've consistently outgrown uh, their usage. But I think that when you introduce these user-friendly features and the ability of developers to start to easily integrate the network, that's only going to accelerate that further. And so I'm, I'm really excited to see what happens to our growth rates on the metrics that really matter here over the next year. We've also kicked off a really interesting discussion on our network economics. And uh, that really kicked off in earnest today. Um, we're interacting with our community in order to improve Dash's features as a store of value. Uh, that's probably a whole nother episode in and of itself if, we're, if, we, if we were to get into it. But there's some exciting things happening on our forum, which is dash.org slash forum, where we're kicking off today the conversation. By the time this airs, we will have had a great deal of debate about the future direction for those components. And then I think for the market as a whole, I think uh, I've been a critic of Libra for a long time. The day it came out, I had a very unpopular opinion at the time, which was Libra wouldn't launch uh, on the timeline that they said. And when they did launch, it would be heavily crippled. Um, and I cited regulatory issues and the exit of some of their partners as the cause of that. Um, and of course, all of those things have come true. I don't think that Libra is going to launch within major markets within the next year. Um, so I don't think there will be much happening there. I do think they'll get a couple of obscure countries to accept it, and they'll experiment with it there. I'm not sure that there's an appetite for uh, this type of product that mixes together essentially a bunch of different currencies, but we'll see. I, I think if it has a chance of adoption, it's going to be in obscure third world countries where uh, things are so bad that, that people are clamoring for a solution like this. But I don't think Libra is is likely to get off the ground in the way that they envision anytime soon. And then I think, obviously, the thing to watch for me is what's going to happen around Bitcoin's happening event. I think there's a lot of opinions as to whether or not that's already priced in, as to whether or not that will create another hype cycle, whether or not that would spill over into altcoins or not. And I just think by mid-year, it's going to be one of the most fascinating years in crypto that we've seen. So, so do you personally, obviously not as a financial advisor, not trying to hype a coin, 
Do you personally think that just the hype cycle alone is going to be a self-fulfilling prophecy? Uh, I think it will. I think that there's enough history to point to, to be convincing to people that there's likely to be an event. And if people anticipate there will be an event, then there will be an event. Mm -hmm. It means that sellers would be less likely to sell, even if the price were to run up. And it means that buyers would be more uh, interested in in buying it. And frankly, I don't see a lot about Bitcoin in mainstream media these days. I don't think uh, it's on people's minds yet. But uh, this could be a story that is picked up by mainstream media by the time the happening event occurs. And if that happens, you're talking about extending Bitcoin awareness and cryptocurrency awareness uh, pretty dramatically right around the event. And to me, logically, when you get more exposure, it, it's more likely that the price would go up. Right. The media is going to cover it. There's no question. It is a major event. There, there's there's no doubt about it. So, I, And I, I tend to agree with you. And I think it's going to take a lot of people by surprise when it happens. I think it's going to be one of those things that uh, it, it bubbles up and then boom, here we go again. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't see a scenario when it's already where it's already baked in because, you know, you talk to people on the street, you talk to average, you know, individuals that um, have a normal job and and don't live in this space and they have no idea. What's and so job you speak of? What is what is that? Can you def- I don't know what that is. Yeah. Yeah, I have a question around this. So this, for one, I have a statement. So keep in mind, folks, there's 19 million of these tokens. There's less amount of these than there are in Bitcoin. Bitcoin right now is worth seven thousand something dollars. Dash at one point, and about two years ago, about two years ago to today, actually, uh, Dash was almost fifteen hundred dollars. If you look at the scale. Now it's at $50, and they've been having their heads down and working and building and growing and making Dash even better than ever before. So I just keep that in my mind when I'm talking with you and hearing what you had to say, because that's interesting. Another thing I would just say is, how do merchants join this? Because it seems to me to be, oh, here's my here's my username, boom, and now I'm able to save you my crypto. How are merchants able to easily utilize your service? Well, uh when we introduce Dash Platform, we're planning on, on introducing uh, merchant tools shortly thereafter. Today, merchants can integrate Dash um, either by hosting their own solution. You know, we're integrated into BTC Pay server with Instant Send enabled in there as an example. Coin payments, I think, as well. Yeah, coin payments. If you go to Dash.org and go to our merchant section, there's a whole list of tools that are available to them. Uh, we're integrated into uh, GoCoin, we're integrated into Uphold, we're integrated into uh, just a variety of services that are, are merchant friendly. And so uh, th- there's there's a, a, a large number of options available from self-hosting all the way through to 
uh, brokerage services. So uh, you don't even need to directly accept the cryptocurrency. It can be auto-converted to U.S. dollars for you. Mm-hmm. So there, there's there's tons of options that are available, and it just depends on the merchant needs. Well, we appreciate you coming on here, Ryan, and informing us about all things Dashy, the website dash.org, and links to all the things we've discussed here in the show notes. I recommend you go to the website and poke around. There's a lot of content here for individuals, businesses, developers, the community, links to the various wallets, social media platforms where you can engage. I mean, Dash has really got a lot going on. So uh, we do have reasons to use cryptocurrency. First of all, Dash is really easy to use. But secondly, if you go to giftcards.dash.org, if you use Dash, you can save a lot of money by buying gift cards on our website. We pass all of the savings along that would normally go to referral fees to our users. And so it's a great way to save money. You can integrate cryptocurrency into your everyday life and actually save money doing it. So this is like like the Lolly plug-in, only instead of getting Bitcoin back, you get Dash back. That's right. And so there's lots of brands there, Uber. Uh, and Uber Eats for food delivery. You can access tons of different merchants through Uber Eats. There's uh, all the major stores and brands. Uh, you know, it, it, it really is a great resource and a great way to reward our users. And so if you're looking for a reason to actually use cryptocurrency to pay for stuff, there's a great use case right there. Dash back, cash back at uh, giftcards.dash.org. Awesome. Thanks for bringing that up, Ryan. We appreciate you. Appreciate the opportunity to come on. Thanks so much. That interview went by so fast. It was like in a dash. <laughs> Especially right with us, because we did that interview before. We did. And now we're right here. So it was just like seconds ago when we said it's that. only been, yeah, just it really went by quickly. It did. That's good stuff. Hey, we want to talk, tell you guys real quick about DiviProject.org. If you haven't heard about that, <laughs> do you even bad crypto? I mean, seriously. It's fast, friendly, it's secure. Furious. Have, it it is also it's not furious. Furry. It's friendly. It's fast. Freaking awesome. It is really good. You can actually set up your own masternode and earn cryptos just by holding your cryptos. That's pretty sweet. Uh they're also doing some really cool stuff with uh the ability to get your money in and out and remittances and they are they're they're working with some banks down in Costa Rica. They're doing all kinds of really cool stuff. You gotta check them out. It's Divi Project dot org and not only that but their co-founder looks like patrick mahomes of the chiefs and so that's really good and the chiefs hopefully win this weekend and maybe the chiefs will be in the super bowl oh yeah the people in kansas city are excited about this for sure divitproject.org check it out and thanks for listening to the show like i say we've recorded a bunch of great interviews here in pitbull's private luxurious suite here in his restaurant and I'm what getting- is that Ooh, <laughs> i don't know what's been going on in this nah, room. i guarantee there's been some stuff going on oh my. in this room and we'll be bringing those to you we are in miami the conferences are happening in fact we're going to the north american bitcoin conference the big event tomorrow at the james l knight center i think it's called it's over by the uh, hyatt regency near where we are staying, and uh, we'll be doing our show on stage live there. Hope you guys can make it out. If you do, make sure you come by our booth and say hi. We've got a special NFT that we've created just for the North American Bitcoin Conference. That's true. That's a non-fungible token. 
that you, and it's going to be rare. I mean, we gave, thank you. And uh, really excited about that. And um, we got these really cool illustrator to create the artwork. And then uh, I took the, the little Travis and Joel and then finished it up and we made the tokens. And uh, we did one here at the Washington Elite event, which there's probably maybe, what, 25, 30 of them in existence only? People. And no, people who, uh, maybe, but people who have the thing. Actually, maybe less than that. Maybe like 15 people actually have the token. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very we- rare. And then they can actually, nobody else can get them. They will never exist anywhere ever. I didn't know we were going to talk about that. No, we did. We did. We, we did. I mean, we actually, okay. Well, should we just let it be? Let what be? Let it be. Let it let be. Let it be. Why is there something we shouldn't talk about? Because that's what John Paul George Ringo would say. They they'd would just, say that. They'd say, let it be. I don't know. Just let it be, Paul. But we, <laughs> Gif ab <laughs> and all that good stuff. Uh, stay tuned, gang. We're in Miami. If you're coming to the North American Bitcoin Conference, come say hi to us. And if you're not, just remotely from wherever you are right now on the count of three, say, hi, bad crypto. Here we go. One, two, three. Hi, bad crypto. Oh, I heard that. I, it was a, as if the voices of a million people at once. Hey, bad crypto. Hey, it's Mike Tyson. What hey, what's going on, hello? Mike? Are you in Miami? I'm really excited. I'm here in Miami also. I was just walking by and I thought I smelled Travis. <laughs> you, you must have been smelled. Well, I, I, I've always followed the smell of taco. You were going for tacos. I know, I thought Mike, you took my line. <laughs> Camarones, the shrimp tacos, right? I say good. Yeah, I love them. Thanks for listening, listen, listen, everybody. Go ahead and stay back. The Bad Crypto Podcast is a production of Bad Crypto, LLC. The content of the show, the videos, and the website is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to finances, investing, trading, or anything else based on this information without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of Bitcoin's and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor.